0: Trekker Talk, a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Darren.
1: And I'm Ruth. Let's start with a short introduction. Those of you who have listened before will be familiar with this, but we'll go over things briefly for those listening for the very first time. This is a fan podcast and the opinions expressed are just ours. Please consider visiting trekkercomic.com. That's Ron Randall's official site, dedicated to Mercy St. Clair, which features a new page of material every Monday.
0: Since our last episode, the Jekka storyline came to a close, and a new story titled The Volstock Payoff launched, so it's a great time to check out the site. Also, the transition from Jekka to The Volstock Payoff is a perfect example of just how varied Trekker stories can be. We've moved from a planet-hopping space adventure to a gritty Backstreet's Noir story, with a completely new color palette to emphasize the change in tone. It's part of what makes the world of Trekker rich and varied.
1: Also at the Trekker comic website, you will find informative blog posts on Thursdays where Ron Randall shares insights into the process of creating comics and his inspirations for Trekker. For instance, he posted a photo of his bookcase where he stores many of his favorite comic-related titles. I appreciate getting the inside look at some of his sources of inspiration. I think it helps understand an artist and writer better to know what has influenced them over the years. And it is fun to have a chance to find if you have any similar interest. I was excited to see Joe Kubert's Tarzan, Hal Foster's Prince Valiant, and The Spirit by Will Eisner. We had read some of The Spirit many years ago, but decided to pick up The Spirit, a celebration of 75 years to revisit that groundbreaking work.
0: You'll also find links to all of the ways to follow Ron Randall on social media, including links for Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and, of course, his Patreon page, where, if you want, you can become a patron of the arts and help support the creation of brand new Trekker material.
1: During this podcast, we'll occasionally refer to page numbers related to the story, especially when we are taking a closer look at the art. Trekker has been published in various formats, including individual issues of a solo series, specials, and multi-part stories in the anthology series Dark Horse Presents. For our references, we are using page numbers from the Trekker Omnibus, which is a collection published in 2013 that includes all of the Trekker material up to that date.
0: We've chosen to use the Trekker Omnibus since it's easily available and can be found at a good price. It's available in print in a graphic novel collection, or you can download a digital copy from Comixology, the Dark Horse Comics app, or the Amazon Kindle store. If you happen to own the books on any of these digital platforms, please consider taking a moment to rate the books in the hopes of encouraging new readers to give the books a try.
1: In this episode, we're going to be talking about the story, The Babel Cannon, Part 2, which was featured in issue number 6 of Trekker, and was published in March 1988.
0: And later in the episode, we'll share your comments and the feedback we've received since the previous episode.
1: So you probably heard me say before that I believe the show is more fun for everyone when we hear from you, so please do write in and let us know your thoughts about Trekker. Let us know what you think about the stories and art. I'm always interested in how others discover the series and what they like best. Feel free to point out anything we missed, or share additional points of view on the art, characters, and plot. We really want to know, and we're sure others do as well. So listen at the end of the episode for ways to contact us, and we'll be sure to include your comments in a future episode. Trekker Number 6 was published by Dark Horse Comics with a cover date of March 1988. Sequentially, this is the second part of the sixth Trekker story, and it appears in the Trekker omnibus from pages 167 to 188. The story is in black and white and is written and illustrated by Ron Randall with letters by Ken Brusnack.
0: We have two covers to discuss this time. Originally, Issue 6 was released with a cover by Dave Dorman, but the interior art was by Ron Randall. However, Dave Dorman later did the interior art for a Trekker story published in Dark Horse Presents number 22. In the Trekker Omnibus, the Dave Dorman cover has been moved to the beginning of the story where he did the interior art. And in its place, we have a brand new cover for issue number six by Ron Randall that features Mercy standing with her back to a wall and her weapons drawn with a futuristic cityscape in the background. It's a great cover that features colors by Jeremy Caldwell, and I use it as the wallpaper for my phone. The story picks up where the previous issue ended. Mercy, Paul, and Bolt are at the Crystal Mountains on their way to find Seva's hideout. But a squadron of fighters is converging on their location with their weapons blazing. Mercy and Paul are returning fire. Bolt calls to the two of them and tells them to get back to the ship. They quickly dash through the hatch and Bolt launches the ship and heads straight into the oncoming electrical storm. Bolt shows off his excellent flying skills by piloting the ship through the storm without the use of navigation equipment until he finally brings the ship back in for a safe landing. They'll have to make it the rest of the way to the hideout on foot the pursuing ships will be without navigation equipment as well, and will be unlikely to locate them. Mercy and Paul have things to discuss during their walk. Mercy tells Paul the only thing she wanted to do after he was called back to work was to get back on the trail of Vincent, the trekker who ran off with the full bounty the two were supposed to split. The ever-optimistic Paul tells her that even though the trip wasn't what he had hoped for, he's still glad he got her out of New Guelph. we transition back to New Gellif where Lasmusie is slowly approaching his hideout aware that something is up. Inside, he finds the other members of his gang have been roughed up and one of them tells him that a group of heavies were looking for him because they think he gave up Rickovicki and Lazmusi begins to regret ever helping our trekker Mercy St. Clair. Our group of heroes are scaling the side of the Crystal Mountains when the rope breaks and Paul starts to fall. But Bolt comes to his rescue, grabbing his hand at the last minute. As the group enters the pass, they all see the main entrance. But thanks to the Retta image implanted in Mercy's mind, she knows there's a side entrance to the left. There we see two grumbling guards who aren't happy to be outside in the storm when they confidently know no one else is out in this weather. Just then, Bolt comes up from behind, hitting both with a neurocharge that will knock them out for an hour. The group slowly sneaks through the dark corridors until they round a corner and see a full-scale version of the Babel Cannon in a large domed room with the barrel of the weapon menacingly aimed toward the sky. The group can hear Seva, who is standing at the base of the cannon and talking to two men. They overhear that most of the gang is off patching leaks due to the storm, and Seva is sending these two off to help. Once she's alone, Mercy comes up behind her, calling her Felicia, the name she used when Mercy first met her seva doesn't hesitate grabbing a giant wrench from a table and swinging in mercy's direction paul knows mercy needs to deal with this on her own seva's fast and gets in a hit that throws mercy to the floor but mercy is faster and is soon in control of the fight announcing it's over seva doesn't want to admit it though and flails with the wrench one more time mercy easily avoids the swing but the wrench then makes contact with the babel cannon sending an electrical surge through seva's body and a burned mass of flesh falls to the ground Paul throws a grenade toward the Babel Cannon as the three run from the explosion. Just out of range of the explosion, Paul turns to Bolt and demands the satchel containing plans to the Babel Cannon that he knows Bolt picked up before the explosion. Bolt refuses, saying Rigel will use the Babel Cannon for its original humanitarian intentions. Paul pulls out his weapon and insists Bolt turn over the satchel. Bolt refuses, telling Paul he'll have to use the weapon on him. Mercy's had enough and grabs the satchel from Bolt's hand and hurls it into the fire from the explosion. Neither Bolt nor Paul are happy, but Bolt grudgingly admits that Mercy made the only sane choice possible. Paul heads to the nearest spaceport to report back for duty, while Mercy stays with Bolt on his ship, since he's heading near Gamma 7, where Vincent was last headed. So... I must say that when I first read this issue back in 1988, my heart sank. We didn't have the internet to tell us months in advance when a comic was coming to an end, so when I got to that last panel and saw the message that it was the last issue of Trekker, I was crushed. Sure, I was happy to see the panel said Trekker would be returning in the pages of Dark Horse Presents, but I wanted as much Trekker as possible, and as you can tell by listening to me talk, I can still remember how I felt then.
1: You were a fan from the very beginning. I was. I was. <laughs> Well, let's do a quick page flip back through the story.
0: Right. So I talked about the cover already, so we'll turn over to page one, which you can guess that I love this page because it's picking up right where the previous issue left off. I already shared last time how much I love the cover and the last panel on the last page of the previous issue. So here we get more of the same. We get Mercy in the middle of lots of action with these ships flying in. Uh, Her weapons are blazing. She's right there, center stage. Very great uh, splash page to start the book off. And if we turn over a page, we get a nice little exciting page with Bolt calling them back to the ship. They jump on board, and right at the bottom of the page, we see Bolt's ship zoom up toward the uh, center of the page. Very nice effect.
1: A great flying scene, which kind of continues on to the next page. Where you can see the tossing and turning of the ship as the winds are blowing so hard and he's trying to, you know, maneuver and not be hit by all the laser blasts.
0: I do like that page, especially that center panel that's just below halfway down the page where they're mm-hmm. sort of off balance or where, where you can see the ship is pitched to the side. It's really nice. And as we turn over to page 172, we get more of that excitement, the flying sequence through the storm, and really nice panel there in the center left of all three of our heroes' wonderful use of shadows and light.
1: And page 173 is really exciting. The storm is going on. You see all the sound effects for the crashing and booming of the thunder. And of course, what a rough landing, and I really like the effect of how everyone, again, looks off balance, and you can tell it was a rough landing, that they're happy to have survived.
0: Yeah, that panel right there at the bottom that you're talking about. Very nice. And as we turn over, I am always happy anytime to get to see Moosey. so we see him introduced, and we get just a single page of him, but he's coming back to his hideout. Something's up, and he's regretting ever getting involved with Mercy Sinclair.
1: It's another thing I like about the world is getting a chance to have some recurring characters. So it's nice when familiar faces show up and are part of the storyline.
0: I agree. And he's an interesting character always. And plus it sets up and lets us know there's more story coming.
1: And now on the very next page, it's a great sequence of telling the story with all of the visuals as they're having to climb up on the shards of crystal up the mountain and how dangerous it is of course the storm is still going on in the background with great sound effects and it's tough climbing having to pull yourself up the side of the mountain and the very last panel paul is starting to slip he has slipped off the edge and it's a great save by bolt so really exciting dramatic panel there
0: And if we turn over to page 177, we get a funny little scene about the two guards who are outside having to keep an eye out, and they know that no one else is going to be out on a night like this. But of course, they're completely wrong, and Bolt takes care of them.
1: Nice surprise for them.
0: And as we turn over to page 178, we get a nice scene there of them sneaking into Seva's hideout. In the bottom left corner, I like the shadows that are used there as they're sneaking through the corridor.
1: And the very next page is dramatic. It's a great use of the splash page to illustrate how large the full-scale version of the Babel canon really is. And the next several pages shows the fight scene between Mercy and Seva. This is action-packed. I am so amazed about the different angles. There's wide angles, there's close-ups, sound effects, lots of movement going on. And page 182 in particular has panels with great variety. That's a favorite of mine.
0: I agree. It's a lengthy fight scene that lasts several pages, but there's so much variety to it. We've used this word in the past to describe Ron Randall's art, which is cinematic. Here, you can imagine this being a director doing different cutscenes of this fight. And it's very exciting as it moves in close and then moves back out.
1: It was very well paced. Like, Going back and reflecting on it, I was surprised how many pages the bite covered because it didn't seem that long to me while I was reading it. But it was so well done and paced so well, it went by quickly and gave good dramatic impact.
0: As we turn over then to page 185, we get the resolution, which is a very creepy left-hand panel of Seva accidentally hitting the Babel cannon with that wrench and electrocuting herself. And you just see her body being engulfed there in flame and then falling to the ground.
1: It looks horribly, horribly painful.
0: And we turn on over from there and we get a battle of wills between Paul and Bolt. It reminded me a little of last issue when Paul and Bolt were having the discussion of how Bolt would run in any situation and wouldn't fight. And here Paul is taking advantage of that. He wants the satchel. He's willing to pull his gun out and point it at Bolt. And Bolt basically tells him, you'll have to use it. I won't give it to you. But we get Mercy saving the day. She knows the right thing to do. She surprises them both, runs in, grabs the satchel and throws it into the fire from the explosion of the Babel cannon.
1: Very well done.
0: And then we turn over page 188, and that's the end of the story and the sad last panel that I talked about <laughs> at the beginning of the, of the review. So we won't talk about that anymore. We'll move on.
1: <laughs> There's more tracker to come.
0: So let's talk about favorite pages and panels. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first?
1: So I'll go first, and I'll take us back to one of the pages of the fight sequence between Mercy and Seva, page 182. That one is well done. So many varieties in the positions and angles on the fighting. Just a great flow in telling the story with the art in the action sequences there.
0: Yes, and that one panel of Mercy down and out, she really looks in dire straits, but she recovers quickly and comes back.
1: Now I'll take us back to page 172, where there's the scene of the spaceship with a stormy sky in the background, just great atmosphere with the lightning and the dark sky in the background. Really admire that. And now I'm going to the very first page of this particular story, it's page 169, for my favorite. So this is the winner I have for this issue. Fabulous splash page of Mercy's guns blazing, the other ships you know, shooting down at them, the crystal shards around them for the landscape just so many elements in this picture that I really enjoy
0: very nice choice but I won't tell you why so I'll go next and we don't have to go very far for my third runner-up we'll go to page 173 and we talked about this one when we did our review I love this scene you had the previous page 172 as one of your favorites I love the very next one, page 173. Again, all the scenes of the storm in the background, lots of variety. You see the ship coming in for a rough landing. And then I like that last panel of all three of them. You can tell they just had a rough landing. They're all three off balance, and I like the way that whole page looks. We just have to turn a couple of pages forward for my next runner-up. Again, during this same sequence, you get the firefight from the pursuing ship's shooting at them you get a lot of variety both inside and outside the ship you have that panel that i mentioned earlier that's about halfway down of the ship being pitched a little bit and they're all leaning as they fly into the storm and again nice variety And for my very favorite page, just a couple of pages earlier, 169, which is the same one you chose.
1: Ah.
0: So the title page, the splash page, it is so well laid out with Mercy there, front and center, her weapons blazing, that expression on her face. But you get Paul and Bolt in the background and then the other ships flying in. There's such a sense of depth to that page. I really like it a lot. So now let's talk about favorite panels.
1: Okay, for favorite panels, let's turn over to page 181, and I'm looking at the bottom left corner, great action sequence of Mercy St. Clair landing a great fist shot into her enemy's face.
0: (laughs) I would have never guessed that you would have picked that one. It's it's interesting You, you picked that. It's really nice.
1: That's it's so well done. The cloth on the arm, and you can just tell kind of the swing of the arm where her fist had been, where it had landed, although you just get to see one moment of that scene.
0: I should be frightened if that's your favorite, <laughs> one of your favorite panels.
1: I'm truly not a violent person, but I admire the artwork that we have You might up. be taking notes. <laughs> and then let's scoot on over to page 187, bottom panel on this page, Love the contrast of the dark black corners on the top left and right with the circle of light that Mercy St. Clair is in the center of as she is doing the right thing by grabbing that satchel and running. So
0: I like that panel a lot, it's a nice view of Mercy the way she is grabbing that and running toward the center of the screen. I do like that.
1: Very well done. And then my winning panel of this issue is actually the very next panel, so very next page, top left corner, where she is tossing the satchel into the blazing fire, and the fire looks so bright. You can tell it's burning so bright. And then, of course, we see her from the back all covered in shadow because the fire is in front of her, and that's just so well done.
0: Well, that's very nice. I'm glad you picked that one out. I'm going to go out of sequence on mine in that case because I have three favorite panels but i'll go instead of in reverse order i'll go with my second favorite panel first because it's the same one you just named Ah, i love that scene as well when she's throwing the satchel into the fire the way she's all in shadows in the center because of the blazing bright fire behind her really stunning so that was my second runner-up so since we're already there we'll cover it first and then we'll flip back to much earlier in the story to page 172 it's quite a bit further all right, I'm finally there. So, page 172, it's the panel on the left with the three heroes in shadows. A great perspective. I like that they're all three at different distances from the front of the page. So, you have Mercy and then Bolt and then Paul. You can tell the depth there again. I talked earlier. You can really see the shadows and the light. And that picture of Mercy on the side is just stunning.
1: It is gorgeous. I agree.
0: And we don't have to go very far from my very favorite panel, just one page over, page 173. I talked about this one just a little while ago. I think that Ron Randall just captured that moment perfectly right after that rough landing. Everyone just looks slightly off balance, but they're all already moving, knowing what they need to do. He captured a moment in time just perfectly with everyone's position and body movement. (laughs)
1: It's time for Who's Who when we talk about significant characters from the stories and get to know them just a little better. We don't look ahead because we don't want to spoil the stories for anyone reading them for the very first time. That means we'll revisit characters over time as we learn more things about
0: them. Mercy St. Clair is our hero. She's a bounty hunter known as a trekker. She lives in Ontari Alley, not Ontari Valley, which Ruth said last time, which is a bad part of New Gallif. She's nodding her head. She knows she did. (laughs) I heard it when I edited it. (laughs) Mercy spends most of her money on weapons for her job and food for her pet scuff, who we don't see this issue.
1: Paul Clemens is a police officer who works in the same precinct as Uncle Alex. Paul is trying to build a relationship with Mercy. He convinced her to go on the Venusian tour, but it hasn't gone the way he had hoped.
0: We met Jason Bolt early in the series. He gave Mercy the nickname Firecracker, and she countered giving him the nickname Space Case. He works for Rigel, which is an activist group that doesn't believe in killing.
1: When we first met Seva, we were told her name was Felicia, But later we learned her real name, and that she murdered a group of scientists and escaped with the plans and genetically modified brain needed to create and use a weapon known as the Babel Cannon.
0: Lasmusi is an underworld figure, and while he and Mercy certainly aren't on the same side, they have a grudging respect for each other. Here we see that he might be facing some problems ahead because of helping Mercy in the past.
1: Roger Vincent is another Trekker who partnered up with Mercy in the past. They planned to split the bounty 50-50, but in the end, he collected the full bounty and left for Gamma 7. And Mercy is back on his trail at the end of this story.
0: Next up is Trekker Transmissions, where we share listener feedback we've received since the previous episode.
1: Your support is a wonderful way to get attention for the show. Thanks to everyone who took time to send us feedback and share news about Trekker Talk with Friends.
0: So please consider telling others about the show by tweeting, sharing Facebook posts, or any way you like.
1: Well, Professor Allen did just that. He posted, I'm listening to episode 6 of the Trekker Talk podcast, and you should be too. Thanks to comments like that, others are finding out about the show and picking up some of the books.
0: A great example is Joe Crawford. He's a new supporter. He had the show recommended to him and wrote to us to say he was stockpiling the episodes while waiting for his copy of the omnibus to arrive. Within just a few days, he had caught up on all of the episodes and wrote to say, Great show. I'm really enjoying it, and the Trekker comics. It's going to be hard not to read ahead and I can tell he is already planning to do just that because I saw a photo of the Train to Avalon Bay book that he posted on Tumblr when it arrived at his house. He also picked up Convergence Catwoman on our recommendation, and he complimented Ron Randall's art in those issues.
1: Joe also spent time on our Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr pages commenting and favoriting posts. He even left a great review on iTunes. I really like the header he used for the review. It says, read along, and I appreciate him encouraging others to read the books and, of course, appreciate his kind words about the show. He says the podcast is wonderful and has the perfect amount of depth. Thanks so much, Joe.
0: I can imagine we're going to be toasting Joe sometime in the very near future. We had another new listener contact us with lots of great comments as well. Dr. G, nerdologist of the Pulp to Pixels podcast, wrote to say, I love your Trekker Talk show. You made a new fan of me. And he did a post saying, just started listening to the podcast. Love it. So this purchase happened and he attached a screenshot of the moment he purchased a digital copy of The Trained Avalon Bay so he can keep reading more Trekker. He also blamed and thanked us for causing him to pick up a stack of John Sable issues by Mike Grell at his local comic shop. A great purchase, I must say.
1: And to help others make more great purchases, Chris Ivey alerted us to a Comicsology special weekend sale that included the Trekker Omnibus. We really appreciated that and made sure it was posted on our Facebook page to help others find out about it. And after we toasted Ryan Daly on the last episode, he wrote in saying, Wow, I know I've caused a lot of people to drink before, but I don't think it's ever been in such a classy manner as a toast for my continued support. Keep up the terrific podcasting.
0: Loyal listener Brian Mulvey wrote in to share a few thoughts about the previous episode. He said, Ron Randall's alien landscapes, cityscapes, and skies always bring us back to the fact that above all else, this is a sci-fi chronicle and he mentioned that he also likes the pages and panels with the heavy use of black ink. I had a brief exchange with Brian about the film 2001 A Space Odyssey and was surprised to learn that Brian's mother was a classmate of Douglas Rain, who did the voice of HAL 9000. You'll get to hear a little later about why we were talking about that particular film. Also, a few episodes ago, Brian recommended Leonard Starr's comic Mary Perkins On Stage. He compared some elements of Ron Randall's art style to Leonard Starr's. We commented in the episode that we weren't familiar with the work, So Brian surprised us by sending us a volume to try out. We've already started reading it. Thanks, Brian. And our friend Chris DC wrote in to say, Enjoy the latest podcast. Full steam ahead.
1: Timothy Kramer is a Trekker fan with an excellent blog titled Provocative Praise. The site is full of great analysis and reviews of a lot of titles, and not just comics. I enjoyed a new post about recent spy movies that were successful in using both action and comedy. I knew Timothy had great taste when he shared that Trekker is my favorite webcomic that starts from a well-known, pretty standard science fiction setting and premise because the story is interesting and the plot is well executed and the visuals are easy on the eyes. We'll share a link where he uses Trekker as an example of how webcomics that present action and adventure often switch focus between action, adventure, background, and character moments. You'll want to look at that post and use the links he provides to see the actual pages he is examining in that section.
0: We heard from Paul, our friendly neighborhood Spidey fan from Belfast, who recently attended the MCM Ireland Comic Con in Dublin. He said, It's a very popular event with people from all over Ireland. It was held at the Royal Dublin Society, a historic venue. There were lots of exhibitors. T-shirts for the Avengers characters and Doctor Who were popular. You could get a slate clock with RoboCop, Star Wars, or Doctor Who on it. A Superman pillow or a canvas print. You could have your picture taken with the DeLorean from Back to the Future or with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And I would love that because I'm a big fan of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. He met actors there as well, including Carl Yoon from Arrow, who he described as a lovely chap and great to talk to. There was a Sunday cosplay competition where there were plenty of Captain Americas and Batman, a few Jokers were about, and Matt Smith's Doctor Who was very popular. Thanks, Paul, for sharing about your time there. It sounds like we would have had great fun, too.
1: I want to give a quick shout-out to Warren Montgomery, whose lettering work on a new title, Toil and Trouble, received a grade A from Sci-Fi Pulse. Congratulations, Warren, and thanks for your support on social media. And a special thanks to Jefferson Wolf and Pablo Ventura, who are both consistent supporters on Twitter. Very much appreciated.
0: And we'll close this segment with a special thanks to Ron Randall. He takes the time to retweet and repost announcements about the podcast and occasionally chimes in on fan conversations and social media. It always amazes us when he does that, and we sincerely appreciate it. We also want to extend our Trekker thanks to everyone who supported us on social media since last episode. These are people who favorited or retweeted our tweets from at or liked Facebook or Tumblr pages.
1: Thanks for your support. We really appreciate what you do to help promote Trekker and help others discover Trekker.
0: If we miss a name, just let us know and we'll correct it in the next episode. And do please forgive us if we mispronounce your name. If you email us and let us know, we'll be happy to correct that next episode as well.
1: Alec Coleman, 2D Artbot. Aaron Head Moss, After the Gold Rush, Alex Landon Hahn, Alexandra and Patrick Scardo, Anna Sherlingham, Andy Kapelisch, Anita Manning, Arthur Curry, Arthur Ratnick, Bertha Flores, Between the Pages, Bill Barry, Brian Mulvey, Selena, Charlie Neymayer, Chickie B, Chris Ivey, Cosplay Girls, Cosplay USA, Dave, David Golding, David Pescarella, David Sopko, Diablo Frank, Deanna, Doctor Who, 24-7, Dr. G. Neurologist, Dysphagia, Ed Moore, EMA Hip-Hop Podcast, Firestorm Fan, Flodos Fan, For Your Annoyance, and Gnee, Gonk Droid, Greg A., Gurry Gooman, Guyverology Hackney Laurent, Holly Bocher, Isabel Mastala, J. David Wetter, Janice Morone, Jeremy Colwell, Jefferson Wolfe,
0: Joseph Crawford, Kiamat Sudadikat Cord Industries, Rider and Aquaman fan Lori S. Sutton, Linda Tranfeld, Austin Wallace, Lynn Chi, Manuel Medrano Maniquez, Maria Enriquez, Mark Adams, Mark Hernandez, Martin Gray, Mary Gunter, Michael Kingpin, Mr. T USA 1980, Not Guano Man, Pablo Ventura, Paper Rocket Ship, Peyton, Placida Mathias, Professor Allen, Pulp to Pixel, Relatively Geeky Podcast Network, Rob Kelly, Rob Rex, Robert Pilk, the owner of our favorite shop, Mountain Empire Comics, Rolled Spine Podcast, Ron Randall himself, thank you, Rose Castillo, Russell Burbage, Rusty Deal, Ryan C., Ryan Daly, aka Count Druncula, Sean Mendez, Shipping Star Trek, Star Trek Machine, Star Trek Heaven, Stella of the Batgirl to Oracle Podcast, Sue Mullins, Tim Elliott, Tim Wallace, Timothy Kramer, Tom McAuliffe, Too Dangerous, Van Z, will fish and Wild wow chicka wow wow you made me say that
1: one <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of creative names out there they make me laugh
0: it's time for the trekker toast award for someone who went above and beyond in supporting trekker talk
1: this individual is a veteran podcaster who has given us wonderful encouragement and support He has written in to share feedback multiple times, played our promos on his show, mentioned us on his blog, and is a regular in liking, sharing, and retweeting our items. We cannot ask for more.
0: So we lift our glasses and give a thankful trekker toast to Professor Alan Middleton.
1: Thanks to you, Professor Alan. So much appreciated.
0: Professor Alan does several podcasts and blogs as part of the Relatively Geeky Network. We'll include links in our show notes for those who want to check out his great sites.
1: And we'll be back after we play some promos for comic-related podcasts that you may enjoy.
2: This is an imaginary podcast, which may never have happened. The Short Box Showcase. But then again may have. About a father and daughter. I'm Professor Allen. And I'm Emily. Who came from Ohio and talked about comics. Walking Dead. Tintin. Black Lightning. White Tiger. It tells of their rise to glory. When the great guests were yet to be booked. Let's put it this way Shogun Warriors wasn't going to win any Eisner's. And the great feats of editing not yet performed. This is Ultra 7, this is Ultraman Jack, and this Ultraman Taro, and this Ultraman Leo, and this U- Of how they spoke at length. This continuity is really the brainchild of nitpicking nerds the world over. But to be fair, the best kind of confession is the Force Confession. And reviewed in brief tales that explore creatively the bounds of a given character's history. Red Sun is wonderful with a very strange ending. Of brilliant creators before their fall from grace. This is the era where Miller is at the height of his creative and artistic powers. And the ability of strong writing to encapsulate and transcend its time. Flash of Two Earths by Gardner Fox. This is an imaginary podcast. Aren't they all? Short Box Showcase is part of the Relatively Geeky family of podcasts. Check us out on the web at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search on iTunes for Relatively Geeky or Short box Showcase. And remember, we're not experts, we're just family.
3: Welcome to Astro City, a Pulp to Pixel Auto podcast, podcast. an issue-by-issue ratings Black and PM. review of the Green Alone yep. comic book series Astro City by the writer-artist team of Kurt Fusick, Brent Anderson, and Alex Ross. You can find episodes of Welcome to Astro City and other Pulp to Pixel podcasts at pulptopixel.blogspot.com, pixeltumblr.com through the iTunes Store under the Pulp to Pixel Podcasts, and through Facebook at the Pulp to Pixel podcast webpage. Man, you come right out of a comic book. The Pulp to Pixel podcasts, exploring the media multiverse of geek culture.
0: in things. So we're going to do something a little different in this segment of What's Up. We've taken our digital recorder with us to Atlanta, Georgia, where we're attending DragonCon and thought we would record a short audio diary in the evenings to talk about what we did each day.
1: We're also going to share photos from the convention on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. So if you're interested, visit any of our pages and scroll back through the feed to see photos from the weekend.
0: It's Thursday, which is what we call DragonCon Day Zero. While the convention officially runs Friday to Monday, Thursday is the day that thousands show up to go ahead and register for the convention so they can get on with the fun first thing on Friday.
1: So today, we started out with a a six-and-a-half-hour drive to the outskirts of Atlanta. And to avoid the traffic and congestion of the city, we left our car in long-term parking at one of the MARTA train stations, and we took a relaxing ride into downtown Atlanta.
0: The convention is expecting 66,000 attendees this year, so you can imagine just how crowded the registration line could be. We used to spend three to four hours in the registration line. However, for the last several years, the convention has been mailing out postcards with barcodes on them to those who pre-register.
1: This makes the convention line so much faster. Seriously, the line never stops moving. Once you get in the line, you keep continuously walking until you get to the registration desk, where it only takes moments for them to scan the barcode and check your ID.
0: I timed us today, and from the time we got in the registration line to the time we got our badges was 11 minutes. You can't beat that.
1: Since there are already thousands of attendees who have registered, the convention gets off to an early start with several fan panels on Thursday evening. We enjoyed walking around and reorienting ourselves to the layout of the hotels.
0: DragonCon is spread out over six buildings in downtown Atlanta, including five hotels, the Hyatt, Marriott, Hilton, Sheridan, and Weston, along with the America's Mart Shopping Center. So Thursday is a great time to remind yourself of where the various conference rooms are so you can efficiently get around during the weekend.
1: I guess that's about it for today, except we're going to discuss our favorite cosplay from each day. Dragon Con has an unbelievable amount of cosplay with so many amazing costumes. I know there will be a lot to talk about.
0: Of course, while we aren't in costume, we are supporting Trekker throughout the convention. We made four different Trekker t-shirts for each of us, so we'll be wearing a different Trekker t-shirt each day.
1: Today I'm wearing a gray t-shirt featuring the cover to Book 9, Thicker Than Blood. And Darren's wearing a purple t-shirt with the image used as the cover to issue number 6 in the Trekker omnibus.
0: So even though the convention hasn't officially started, cosplay already has, and we saw several good costumes already, including a very impressive Borg from The Next Generation, but I think my favorite costume of today was the great Tom Baker, Fourth Doctor, that we saw in the Hyatt.
1: Yes, you're right about that one.
0: It's Friday, which is officially day one of Dragon Con, and we've had a great day.
1: Our day started with a fun panel about the Muppets and Sesame Street, with guest of honor Carol Spinney who played both Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch, since that show started back in 1969. He insisted that his wife join him on stage, even though she was nervous. But once she got on stage, she added several nice comments to the conversation.
0: Later in the day, we attended a panel about the making of 2001 A Space Odyssey with Keir Dulé and Gary Lockwood. It was interesting to hear them discuss the intricacies of making the film and reminisce about how friendly and laid-back Stanley Kubrick was as a director. I found that very interesting because my all-time favorite movie is Dr. Strangelove, which is a Stanley Kubrick film starring the great Peter Sellers in multiple roles.
1: And I thought it was interesting that they had trouble casting the voice of Hal 9000. So during the actual production of the film, the voice on the set was done by a member of the production crew who had a very pronounced Cockney accent. And the two actors joked about how difficult it was to avoid laughing at times. And then after the panel, we were able to get both of the actors' autographs and found them to be so very
0: charming. I think you especially like Gary Lockwood because he said you were a beautiful Southern Belle.
1: Yes, of course I like that.
0: <laughs> right. At the end of the day, we had the great pleasure to meet Lori Sutton, who is a writer and former DC editor. We met online about a year ago through Rob Kelly's Aquaman Shrine, since we're all fans of Aquaman, and we learned that she attends Dragon Con almost every year. So we've been planning for this meetup since then.
1: We had the pleasure to spend time with her at a writer's panel and to talk with her both before and after the panel. Lori shared stories of her love of comics and how she first got into the business. She told us about working both at D.C. and the Comics Code Authority.
0: We were joined by Lori's friend, author Lynn Abbey. She's another great writer, and we've read many of her excellent Thieves' World graphic novels. It was great to spend time with the two of them and very generous of them to spend so much time with us.
1: Laurie Sutton currently writes a series of You Choose adventure books that feature Scooby-Doo in some books and DC characters in other titles. And I flipped through a couple of them and think they're perfect for young readers. They would make super gifts.
0: Let's wrap up with our favorite cosplay of the day.
1: Okay, first I'll mention which Trekker t-shirts we wore today. Darren was wearing a red t-shirt with a cover to Babel Cannon Part 1. I'm sure you'll all remember him mentioning how much he liked that cover last time. And I wore a purple shirt with an image of Mercy standing in front of a circular background. Then, for my favorite cosplay today, I'll choose the Batgirl that we saw early in the day at the Hilton. She was wearing the costume from the current comics, which reminded me of the original drawing of Batgirl that we have by Ron Randall in that outfit. And the detail on the costume was outstanding. And also, there was an amazing Dalek dress that someone had made. It was in gold chiffon, very imaginative, and even included lights. It was amazing. And the last one I'll name was a fun toy story cosplay of Woody and he was really riding around in a small car in the lobby of the hotel. It was incredible.
0: Yeah, that was really cute. I really liked a group of three dressed as Batgirl, Robin, and Catwoman from the 1966 Batman TV series. Very nicely done. There was also a great Rocketeer costume and maybe my favorite of the day was a group of three dressed as Josie and the Pussycats. They had the costumes and mannerisms down perfectly and were very popular.
1: (laughs) It's Dragon Con Day 2, otherwise known as Saturday, and this day features one of the most unique things about Dragon Con.
0: The city of Atlanta is very supportive of this convention, and on Saturday morning each year, they shut down several city blocks in the downtown area for the amazing annual Dragon Con Parade.
1: The parade features over 3,000 participants in cosplay. They are divided into various groups, so as the parade passes by, you see cosplayers grouped in themes. So, for example, all of the Doctor Who characters walk by in a set, followed by Star Trek characters, followed by Middle Earth characters, and then followed by Star Wars characters. And more and more, it is just amazing.
0: There are marching bands and DJs spread throughout the parade, so you get music throughout it as well. It's a remarkable show, and every year about 75,000 spectators line the streets of downtown Atlanta to watch the two-hour parade.
1: And following the parade, we were in Artist Alley to get in line for George Perez. He's a great artist who really appreciates his fans and takes time to speak with everyone. Just look at the photo of him with Darren on Facebook or Tumblr and you'll see how friendly he is with his fans.
0: We took two books along with us to get autographed today and he sketched original drawings inside of each.
1: First was the Wonder Woman Omnibus featuring the first 24 issues that he did in that series. So he drew a profile of Diana racing into action and like her name, it is absolutely wonderful. It flows across two pages and has her lasso and birds flying around.
0: Next, we had The Art of George Perez, and since that book features a variety of characters, we decided to get him to draw something unique. So we asked him to draw Trekker Mercy St. Clair, and he gladly obliged. We thought of doing that because of the different artist renditions of Mercy St. Clair that are featured in the back of the Train to Avalon Bay book. This seemed like a nice addition to that collection, and it turned out great.
1: And after that, we were off to get in line to meet Terry Jones from Monty Python. Terry Gilliam had been to Dragon Con in the past, and it was nice that they brought in another member of that classic team.
0: At the end of the day, we attended a Red Dwarf panel. We've been fans of that show for more years than we can count. Red Dwarf is getting ready to film two new seasons, and this panel was filled with fans speculating about what might happen in the new episodes.
1: So let's wrap up the day about talking about our favorite cosplays.
0: I'll mention that today the Trekker shirt I wore was a yellow shirt featuring the cover to Scarman's Burn. And Ruth wore a sort of mauve shirt featuring the cover to The Train to Avalon Bay. And what was even better was that during the day, we were both asked about Trekker because of our shirts.
1: Oh, yeah. I was standing in line in the Stephen Amell line to get an autograph when someone asked me to tell them about Trekker.
0: And I was just walking down the street when someone stopped me to ask about the series. I hope they both check it out.
1: And as for favorite cosplay, there was a great Usagi Ujimbo costume. And I don't think I've ever seen that cosplay done before. We saw a couple of different Aquaman and Mira cosplays during the day, but unfortunately some of those photos didn't turn out, so we couldn't post most of them. Well, similar to the amazing Dalek dress we saw yesterday, there was an impressive TARDIS dress today, and I wondered if it was the same person. Regardless, whoever made those dresses is very talented and creative. Oh, and I must mention some of the British comedy cosplay that we saw, including Arthur Dent from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Moss from The IT Crowd.
0: And I think my favorites would be The Phantom, whose photo we took while we were in the George Perez line. Also, Vampire Hunter D, that series of books, manga, and anime movies are favorites of mine. Also, we saw twins, both dressed as Yeoman Ran from Star Trek. You don't see Yeoman Ran cosplay very often, but theirs was perfect. And finally, a very imaginative cosplay of I'm Just a Bill from Schoolhouse Rock.
1: It's Sunday, which is day three of Dragon Con.
0: We started today with the Terry Jones' panel. It was nicely structured. He read excerpts from his memoirs, took questions from the audience, and performed classic skits from Monty Python with audience volunteers.
1: After that, we attended a panel with three cast members from the Hobbit films. Dragon Con has a few members of the cast at the convention each year, so we've seen many of those cast members over the past three or four years.
0: This group consisted of Dino Gorman, Stephen Hunter, and Peter Hamilton. They had lots of great stories from the making of the films, and it was obvious they all became good friends after spending two and a half years together filming.
1: Oh, and let me mention a side story. While we lived in Southern California, and while we were there, we attended a Hercules and Xena convention that featured members of the cast from both of those shows as well as the cast of the series Young Hercules. And that show starred a younger Dina Gorman as Young Aeolus and a young Ryan Gosling as Young Hercules. And we have both of their autographs from back then. I have friends at work who cannot believe that I have Ryan Gosling's autograph.
0: And our final panel today was for the series Sleepy Hollow. Ironically, during the show's first two seasons, it was filmed near us in Wilmington, North Carolina. However, our new governor ended film subsidies, so all of the productions packed up and moved out of state, and Sleepy Hollow is currently filming its third season in Atlanta. As we wrap up, I'll mention that today I was wearing a black shirt with the cover to Trial by Fire, and Ruth was wearing a pink shirt with the cover to Smuggler's Blues.
1: My favorite cosplay for the day were two very different How to Train Your Dragon costumes. One was Hiccup and Toothless, and the other was Astrid and Stormfly. Also, there was a great Edward Scissorhands and a large group dressed as characters from Harry Potter.
0: And I think my favorite cosplay of the day was a couple of different groups dressed as the gang from Scooby-Doo. Plus, there were two ladies dressed as Adina and Patsy from Ab Fab, and their costumes and matterisms were absolutely fabulous. And finally, I would have to choose the group cosplaying as the cast of Farscape. That's a favorite show of ours, and again, both their costumes and mannerisms were perfect.
1: Yes, I agree completely.
0: It's Monday, or Dragon Con Day 4. It's always a sad one as the convention comes to an end.
1: And today we really only have time to do one thing before we head home. So it's either a panel or a walk around the hotels to check out more costumes or spending time in the dealer's room for some last-minute purchases before we head out.
0: Yeah, so we're not quite sure yet which one of those we're going to do, but we're just going to head out and do one and then go home. So I hope you all enjoyed our audio diary.
1: Before we go, we want to provide our contact information. Please let us know your thoughts through email, Facebook, or Twitter. Also, if you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and Stitcher. Those are terrific ways to help get the show noticed and hopefully attract more listeners to Grove Trekker fandom. Please consider subscribing to the show so you always know when there's a new episode.
0: We'd love to hear from you, so if you want to contact us directly, send us an email at trekkertalk at gmail.com. We're at facebook.com slash trekkertalk. On Twitter, we're at trekkertalk. And we're on Tumblr at trekkertalk.tumblr.com. Please use hashtag trekkertalk and hashtag trekkercomic in your messages to help other fans find and follow the conversation. For those of you interested in the music that Ron Randall listens to while working on Trekker, he uses the hashtag trekkersoundtrack. If you have ideas for other hashtags for Trekker or Mercy, please let us know and we'll share them.
1: Ron Randall is appearing at several upcoming conventions in the next few weeks, including Rose City Comic Con in Portland, Baltimore Comic Con, ZapCon in Fresno, and Jet City Comic Con in Tacoma. We encourage any of you who may be planning to attend any of those cons to stop by his booth and say hello.
0: Colorist and friend of the podcast, Jeremy Caldwell will also be attending Rose City Comic Con. It's a great opportunity for a fan to get the train to Avalon Bay signed by both Ron Randall and Jeremy Colwell. Plus, pick up some additional items at both of their booths. Ron Randall always has great Trekker prints, and Jeremy Colwell will be selling a new Thor print that he's been promoting on his Facebook page.
1: Remember, at trekkercomic.com, you'll find a new page every Monday, as well as links to all of the ways you can find Ron Randall from Facebook to Twitter to Tumblr, and he often responds to posts on his Facebook page and on his Patreon site. So post to his pages and let him know, and other fans know, what you think of his new Trekker pages.
0: Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll come back next month for another new episode of Trekker Talk. course comics for ron randall the views expressed on the show are solely ours music is taken from the album royalty-free music movies and videos from the royalty-free music club sound effects are taken from the albums cartoon sound effects space weapons and lasers hollywood sound effects volume four and number one sound effects for movies tv and websites we make no money from this podcast and no copyright infringement is intended